he wanted to set up his own business. We are unclear how he found the Shrigley firm in Lancaster, but he did. Join us for another episode of 100 Years, 100 Objects, Stories from Lancaster City Museums. I'm Rachel Roberts and I'm the Collections Registrar for Lancaster City Museums. In this series, we're looking at 100 objects from Lancaster, Morecambe and the surrounding area to celebrate a century of our museums and to find out more about the past and how we relate to it now. Today's object is a beautiful work of art in its own right and was used to make another beautiful piece of craft, a stunning stained glass window. Today's object is a design for a window made by Shrigley and Hunt. The design is large as it was created to be a one-to-one -one plan for the finished stained glass window. It measures 69cm across and 124cm high. This particular design is actually one of four designs which fit together to make the complete window, this panel being the top right section. The window was designed in the 1950s to celebrate the 200 year anniversary of the Shrigley and Hunt Company. When finished it was installed in Lancaster City Museum and can still be seen in one of the galleries. The rest of the full window design shows the front of Lancaster Castle, a crest and information about the Shrigley and Hunt Company, but this quarter features a large central image of John of Gaunt in full armour and livery of red, blue, gold and silver. Down the right hand edge are some small designs which link to the history of John of Gaunt and above his head are the words Duke of Lancaster. We spoke to Gordon Clark to find out more about the design, the company that created it and the wider stained glass industry in Lancaster. The design was drawn by John Edward Ellis. He was one of only a few resident designers for the company. Previously, the firm had employed many more in-house designers. But in the 1950s and 60s, they began moving to a different model by using freelance artists. They also began to change their style of design, moving to a more modern, less intricate style. Yet this design does still draw on the more traditional styles that can be seen in churches and grand municipal buildings. The design shows John of Gaunt, a statesman from the 14th century. He was born in 1340 in Ghent in what is now Belgium. He was the third surviving son of Edward III and was then one of the richest men in England. He married Blanche of Lancaster in 1359 his father-in-law died in 1361 and he became Duke of Lancaster in 1362. Because John was a royal prince, this established the House of Lancaster as a royal line. John of Gaunt's son became Henry IV in 1399 after overthrowing Richard II, which would lead to the Wars of the Roses in the next century. Although John of Gaunt owned land in almost every county in England, his main base was in what is now Warwickshire, and he spent very little time in Lancaster. Yet, his having started the House of Lancaster has given him an almost iconic status in this area and has led to the John of Gaunt name and image being adopted for many buildings across the city. One of the most prominent buildings in the city bearing his name is the gatehouse at the entrance to Lancaster Castle, the John O'Gaunt Gate. Parts of the gatehouse and castle can be seen behind John in the stained glass design. 
the original gatehouse was started before John's time in the 13th century and most of what we can see today was built in the early 15th century by his son Henry IV. We're not sure when the John of Gaunt name became attached to the gatehouse but we do know that the statue of him on the gatehouse was added in 1822. Down the right-hand side of the design, Ellis has added details which relate to John of Gaunt. In the handwritten notes included in the design, there is a three-towered castle to represent Castile in Spain, a lion rampant to represent Leon, and a fleur-de-lis to represent France. When John married his second wife, Constance of Castile, he took on the title King of Castile and Leon and was called My Lord of Spain. Many kings of England, including John's father Edward III, had also tried to claim the French throne as well, and John spent many years in France. Next, we wanted to find out more about the company that produced this design and the accompanying window, Shrigley and Hunt. The firm was a Lancaster and London pairing. The Lancaster part was started by Joseph Shrigley. He ran a local business as painters, decorators, carvers and gilders. In short, they were an interior design firm. They were long established, beginning in the middle of the 18th century. So they benefited from the Georgian expansion of Lancaster and its grander houses, funded by the town's trading connections. The firm developed a specialism in working with churches. The turning point came in 1836 when Joseph Shrigley died. His widow, Ellen, went into partnership with James Williamson, so forging a link with what became Lancaster's largest manufacturing firm, Williamson's. At this time, Williamson's were also supplying textiles, fabrics and coverings. This partnership of Shrigley and Williamson lasted until 1847, when Ellen's son, also Joseph, was old enough to take over the firm. He ran it successfully until he died in 1869. His widow, with a large family, needed to sell the firm. At this point, the London connection arrived, Arthur Hunt. He was the person who turned the firm from general interior decorators into a specialist in stained glass. Between 1873 and 1878, he gained full control of the firm and its premises on Castle Hill, just opposite the John O'Gaunt Gate. They used the name, the John O'Gaunt Studio. Hunt's home territory was Hoddesdon in Hertfordshire, where his father ran a successful business not dissimilar to Joseph Shrigley's in Lancaster. When Arthur's father died in 1869, his four sons all developed their own specialisms. Arthur's was in stained glass and decorative tiles. We know he was apprenticed to a London firm and he trained at the National Art Training School in South Kensington. We think he was in contact with William Morris and Edward Byrne-Jones. He certainly saw their work in the London area. Making stained glass to a high quality was important, but its design was even more important. And that design focus, critically, was what Hunt's London experience had given him. Naturally, he wanted to set up his own business. For that, he needed capital. A judicious marriage to the daughter of a major Oxford Street furnishing company brought that. We are unclear how he found the Shrigley firm in Lancaster, but he did. He was a very good businessman, keeping the Shrigley's profitable local client base and frequently on the road seeking new ones. 
he kept the design and manufacturing side in Lancaster and opened a shop on Bedford Row in London, where high-end personal clients proliferated. There is scarcely a county in Britain without an example of their work. It echoes the style of the Pre-Raphaelites and then of the Art Nouveau movement. Overall, the firm produced around 5,000 stained-glass windows. They were the most nationally significant of Lancaster's stained-glass firms. Local examples of their work can be seen in St John's Church on Chapel Street and in St Mary's the Priory Church. We asked Gordon to tell us a bit more about some of the pieces that Shrigley and Hunt created and whether it was always stained glass that they made. Shrigley and Hunt worked on many religious and municipal buildings across the UK, as well as commissions for stately homes, like Sudley House near Liverpool. The prestigious commissions that they worked on include several buildings in the northwest, such as Lancaster Cathedral, Holy Trinity Church in Blackpool and St Thomas Church in Garstang along with buildings elsewhere in the UK. There are memorial windows in Bradford Cathedral. But the company didn't make only stained glass. In the late 19th century, they diversified. Their new product was ceramic tiles. They were beautifully decorated and again took inspiration from the arts and crafts movement. They used an array of bold and naturalistic colours to create designs that were usually based on a similar style to their stained glass windows, or included Art Nouveau foliage, flowers and birds. They produced both single tile designs and also sets of tiles which were put together to create a larger image or message. Many of these have survived in large homes across the UK, including some that can still be seen on Castle Hill, outside the former Shrigley and Hunt workshop. There are 26 of their tiles in the collections of Lancaster City Museums. So were Shrigley and Hunt the only firm to produce stained glass in Lancaster? No, they were not. Lancaster had a group of stained glass firms. Just as Arthur Hunt broke away from his family firm, so some of his staff left and set up on their own. Overall, around nine firms made stained glass in Lancaster, though the smaller ones were often short-lived, or sometimes they only assembled windows rather than designing and making them. As the 19th century progressed, stained glass became an increasingly common form of decoration. It was found in the windows of many of the new churches being built to meet the needs of an urbanising population. But also in the decoration of houses, clubs, shops, offices, even pubs. The first firm in Lancaster known to have made stained glass was Seward and Company in 1825. It was already a long-established firm. They were eventually based in what is now the Music Room on Sun Street and they also had premises on Market Street and China Street. They were never solely makers of stained glass. They were also plumbers, glaziers, heating engineers, all trades that had some crossover of skills, materials and equipment with stained glass. The firm's works are less well documented than those of Shrigley and Hunt, but in Lancaster we know examples of the work can be found in St Paul's Church in Scotforth, St Luke's in Skirton, St John's on Chapel Street and St Anne's on Moor Lane, now the Duke's Theatre. Another of Lancaster's stained glass firms was Abbott & Company 
eventually based on Chapel Street and Butterfield Street. Again, they started as plumbers around 1860 and from around 1890 produced stained glass. They were noted for their modern designs, which rivalled Shrigley and Hunt's work. Examples of their work locally can be seen in St Mary's, the Priory Church and the Church of the Ascension in Torresholm. Among the smaller firms in Lancaster was Lambert and Moore. William Lambert started at Shrigley and Hunt in 1875, eventually overseeing their art department and introducing Art Nouveau styles to the firm's decorative tiles and glass. He then set up alone as a stained glass designer and around 1889 he joined Thomas Moore in a short-lived partnership. St Paul's and Scotforce has their windows. After 1895, Moore carried on a loan based on Church Street. St John the Baptist Church in Pilling is one of the few known windows by Moore and Co. Stained glass was only a small part of the firm's offering. James Holmes arrived in Lancaster just before 1901. He was based on Finton Street and he traded as the Loyne Ecclesiastical Studios. His firm's best years for stained glass were in the interwar period. Holmes and Co. later merged with Anthony Bell, whose works produced marble chimney pieces on Parliament Street. The firm's works have not been catalogued, but we know of examples of their work in Carnforth Congregational Church, Silverdale Wesleyan Church, and in Morecambe, in St Lawrence Church and Holy Trinity Church. Eaton and Bullfield was another firm that spun off from Shrigley and Hunt in the mid-1880s, Eaton was one of their designers, and Bullfield had been an apprentice. They operated from Victoria Buildings on King Street, producing their own windows after 1891, and sometimes receiving work from Shrigley and Hunt, one of the few former staff who did. Overall, they were ecclesiastical and domestic decorators, creating mural paintings as well as stained glass windows. But their partnership was short-lived, because Eaton died young in 1898. Their windows are in Barrow Town Hall. Like many of the smaller firms, they had other business interests. They were also printers. Barraclough and Sanders was another firm having a connection with Shrigley and Hunt. Barraclough had been a gentleman pupil with them from 1897. Some of his stained glass windows are in St Paul's in Scotforth. Another of his windows is dated 1921 and is in Lancaster Methodist Church on Greaves Road. Only three of these firms had longevity and scale. Shrigley and Hunt, Abbott and Seward. Nearly all had connections with plumbing and all were interior designers as well as suppliers of stained glass. The Lancaster market was too small to support the substantial specialisation that Shrigley and Hunt achieved nationally. With so many firms creating so many lovely windows, how did stained glass making in Lancaster finally come to an end? There were two golden periods for the stained glass trade. The first was in the late and mid-19th century, when ecclesiastical commissions were numerous as new churches were built. The second was into war, when suburban houses often had some stained glass windows. Post-war, the trade declined seriously. Some firms had to deal with poor management, or the death of their principal directors and guiding lights. The Lambert and Moore partnership did not survive Lambert's bankruptcy in 1895. Holmes died in 1937. Barraclough and Sanders failed in the 1930s. Yet, by 1939, there were still four stained glass works in Lancaster and two in Morecambe. Seward's seems to have ceased in the 1970s. 
Shrigley and Hunt survived the deaths of Hunt and his son, but by 1959 they had left the large Castle Hill works and they went into voluntary liquidation in 1982. Abbott was the last to go. Bought by a firm in Fleetwood in 1976, which in 1996 closed the works on Chapel Street. Happily, their glass kiln found a home in the Stained Glass Museum at Ely Cathedral. By 1996, the old firms had all gone, but their windows remain. Thank you so much for taking a peek through the window of history with us today. There are lots more episodes of 100 Years, 100 Objects, where we talk about topics from combs to castles.